In this episode of the Magic Business Podcast, we'll reveal this and more. If you're a magician and you're going to work a place like House of Cards or Magic Castle or the Chicago Magic Lounge or whatever, I always think back to when I first started working the college market because what I was told was this is a marathon, not a sprint. Don't use a, a magic venue as a place to get your stage time. Use a magic venue as a place to build a relationship with so that you can book that venue every single year. If they, if they play the long game and they treat it like a marathon and it's about building Building relationships with the entertainment director, that's how you win the long game. Welcome to the Magic Business Podcast, where we share insightful and delightful inner secrets about the business of magic. Here, magic professionals present their real-life experiences and most guarded secrets to help you further your career in the magical arts. I'm your host, Christian Painter, in partnership with TheMagicOracle.club, where you can hear all of our magical business podcasts. Now, let's dive in and explore some of those business secrets. Today, we meet Jason Michaels. He started his career working for Brett Daniels. After that, he created his one-man show called Card Shark, which he has performed in multiple theaters across the U.S. He has a full-stage illusion show that toured Europe with Armed Forces Entertainment. He's written a book about overcoming obstacles, and he does keynote speaking. Jason was the entertainment director for the multi-million dollar Nashville Magic Speakeasy called The House of Cards. It is the magic venue in the Southeast, where he literally wrote the handbook on hiring magicians for that venue. Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. This should be a fun conversation. We're going to have a blast. And full disclosure, we actually know each other very well. But what we want to talk about in in particular is because you share with me a lot of uh, your observations of hiring people at the House of Cards. And the first thing I think we should explain is what the House of Cards is uh, in Nashville. Bare bones what it is. It is a fine dining restaurant. Uh, It is excellent food. Uh, wonderful meals, craft cocktails. It is a magic, it has a magic theme. I mean, it's it's a magic venue. It's a genuine magic venue. It's almost like walking into a magic museum. And now the, the venue, at least at, at the time you're doing it, had two close-up performers, uh, but not in the typical way, right? They It wasn't them going to, a, to the table to perform. How they so do they had two close-up stations. Ultimately, there were three performers, and the performers, there were always going to be two stations that people could walk up to at any time of the night and experience magic. And so that required having one magician in each of the two stations and then having another magician to float between the two stations so that everybody would have enough time to take a break so that it wasn't just nonstop magic because a full night of magic at house of cards uh, would start um, at like five thirty in the evening and last until eleven thirty. so it was six hours total if you were doing close-up magic but you had a 20-minute long break every hour. So it was only four hours of actual magic, but there were three different performers. And the idea there, like I said, is that any of the people, any of the guests could come and experience close-up magic at any time. Okay, now let's get to some of the meat, which is uh, what we're going to talk about. And, and that is when people want to work these kind of venues and you had put out, all right, we're ready to have uh, uh, guest performers come in. There was challenges to that, wasn't there? 
challenges that had to be overcome. I mean, I think the biggest thing that most magicians d did not or maybe do not realize is that what the identity of the House of Cards was. They, House of Cards was and is a fine dining establishment. And the identity of the place is magic, but the way that the magicians get paid is by selling food and beverage. So you ha the magicians always have to understand that the magic is imperative because that is the identity and, and the magic is Im massively important. But that but even though the magic is massively important they have to realize that flexibility is key you know being able to make adjustments and not all magicians were easily flexible you know a couple of things that you have to take into consideration when you consider that food and beverage is um is being served is that I, I think that some of the magicians didn't just didn't think to themselves that sometimes when you have bartenders who are making incredible handmade craft cocktails, that means sometimes people drink too much and they, then the magicians have to be ready and able to handle people who might number one, who might be spending a huge amount of money with the establishment who might come in and act like a heckler. So the question that I always thought was, you know, how to, or the thing I was always kind of watching for is how does the magician handle that? Are they able to handle that? And, you know, if you're a magician and you're thinking about going to work in a place where it's a magic venue that serves alcohol, how are you going to handle the heckler? And, and it's one thing to say, oh, I'll just take care of the heckler myself. But you got to stop and think about that. If you have a place where somebody can buy a bottle of wine that costs $1,500, do you think it's okay to just nail them with a couple of heckler stoppers and put them down just because they might be getting a little rowdy in your show? Because I can assure you that that, that may not necessarily be the right way to handle it. Now, I mean, every, the magicians are always paramount and important, always important, but it was also important to keep into consideration that there is a way to handle people in these types of circumstances. So number, the first thing that magicians might not realize is that you just have to keep in mind that you have uh, people who might be drinking too much. So what I'm hearing from you is this, this is a challenging environment and it probably takes uh, magicians who have experience and, and uh, aside from being really good to match the environment they're in, but they also have to have that ability and that experience to roll. And how are you, how are you, how are you able to look at the people who want to apply to come there to determine, you know, well, this is going to be a good fit and this one might not? Oh, well, there's so many different ways. Sometimes it was about reputation. You knew someone by reputation or perhaps I, you know, because I've been in magic so long, I may have seen them or seen their act somewhere and know that they would be a good fit. For the resident magicians, we had auditions and we would have people constantly come in and audition uh, before the before uh, the restaurant opened and I watched multiple people audition. And so we would, we would find people that I knew had the skills and then uh, just understand that usually it took just a little bit of time to get comfortable in that space, just because it's just a unique space and it's not quite like every other type of it's, it's in fact, it's nothing like every other type of restaurant gig. You can't look at it like that at all. So, um, so, but it's funny because people would sometimes send me links to their websites and say, Hey, I'd love to work house of cards and send me a link to their website. And my thought was always, well, why are you just sending me a link to your website? But the, 
that was never the proper thing because the idea that I was going to convince myself that they were the right fit just because they sent me a link to their website. And now I guess what they thought I was going to do was I was going to go look at their website and try to search through their videos and find what I needed to find in order to hire them. When in reality, there were far better ways to go about doing that, you know, sending me a promotional video, sending me a performance video, sending me a photo, maybe a bio, you know, congratulating me on the success of cards and asking what I need, what, what they needed to send me would have been an excellent approach. Just a simple email that said, Hey, what are your perform or what are your audition requirements or what are your, um, what are the requirements for being considered? Something as simple as that would have been, uh, an excellent, an excellent way to reach out. But so I hired people based on, based on what I saw because our audiences, magic audiences are very savvy and they're very smart. And a lot of times magicians thought that their magic was deceptive. And I could watch an audience and think to myself, this audience is not deceived or impressed by this at all. And so we, we had to have good, we had to have really good magicians, really good. Magicians. Now, what that was very interesting because I think you're right. A lot of people think, well, I'm just going to send you a link to my website and, you sh and you're going to see how great I am. And I think you made a great point of saying, you know, communicate with me. Just don't send me a website and think that I'm going to think you're great. You know, it was it was as simple as they just miscalculated how much time in the day that I people how many times people sent information, how much time that I had to spend being at House of Cards and entertaining and may and may help and making you know doing the management stuff, managing the magicians, making sure everything was set up and, and correct and there were no issues or everybody was prepared, and which means that. When it was time for me to look at material, I don't need to be trying to like search around. What I needed is the quickest, easiest thing. I needed somebody to send me a link that shows me exactly what I need to know. Boom. Okay, there you go. I like what I see. I can bring this person in. Or I'm willing to I'm willing to take it to the next level with this person and maybe ask them for more information. Well, what, what were some of the things that some people did that were great, that were the right way to do it? Well, the best, the best people sent. So I had one guy send me a, an electronic press kit. And originally I was like, Oh really? I have to look at this electronic press kit, but it was so good. It was so well done. It was obviously, uh, had been, um, designed by a professional graphic designer. The entire press kit was unbelievable. I'm talking about, it looks like he had spent some serious money on it and it, it grabbed my attention because I was like, this is somebody who is serious. And either they must be working to spend this kind of money on this press kit. And it looked wonderful. And it may, and it, and as much as I hate to say it, because I usually like to say that I have to see a performance video. And usually that is the case because I have to see the performance video, but this electronic press kit was so good. And the references were so good, all these different cruise lines and all these different theaters and stuff like that. It just made me say, okay, this person's got it. They know the game and they're serious, and I could trust this person to come in based on just how good the material was. You know, if you stop and think about it, Christian, in the magic business, we don't have a lot to invest in. You know, you don't have to lease a building. You don't have to, you know, buy a bunch of office furniture or necessarily even get people, you know, buy hire office staff. So if you spent some money, even what you think is a lot of money, on your materials so that you show up really, really, really well. 
to a potential booker. It's, it's a small price to pay compared to what normal businesses cost to run. I, I, I agree 100%. I think we spend so much time uh, on, on our magic that we don't concentrate on the business side of it. You know, we do the bare minimum. Like you said, oh, here's my website. Just go find what you need. And we don't realize that that's not a good way to approach you. Now, you actually have a course on this because of all of the headaches, we'll say, that you went through that year. And you said, wow, these magicians need a course. They need something to help them. Is that correct? <laughs> I, I do. I created a course. I basically saved I saved all the information that people sent me. Uh, and I went back and I looked at it and I started making notes. As I was the entertainment director throughout that year, I was making notes on things people were doing right and things people were doing wrong and, and things people were you know, this guy made the, you know, there were a couple of things like, for instance, I'll, I'll tell you one technique, one, uh, two different people did it. And they both had this one technique that I teach in the course that they were able to get booked on, they booked two different bookings on one phone call. So they were able to use this technique. I'll tell you the technique because it's very clever. They asked me, I asked them about a specific date. And they said, oh, I don't know that I can make that date work, but I can make this other date work. And I looked at my calendar. I said, oh, okay, I can make that date work. Let's go ahead and lock that in. And then they said, hey, you know what? I'm looking at that original date that you sent me. I can make that work too. Let's just go ahead and book them both. <laughs> well, what that, what that, do you know what that did? That almost forced me to book them. And I did. I actually booked both of these guys that did this for two different weeks because I had originally called about the first week. And that's what I wanted filled. But then they transitioned me over to saying, hey, I can do this other week. And then I said yes to that. And then they said, well, hey, I've got that first week available anyway. I had already said that I wanted to book for the, second, <laughs> the first week. And now I've booked it for the second week. And then I was just like, okay, let's just go ahead and book it. Because I had already said that I wanted to book them. And so on one phone call, they booked two completely separate bookings. Uh, with me and it was a great technique uh, so I talk about some stuff like that All right. give me give uh, me that's very clever I like that uh, give me something that a big mistake that people just seem to make over and over play this okay so if you're a magician and you're going to work a place like House of Cards or um, Magic Castle or the Chicago Magic Lounge or whatever it it in my mind, I always think back to when I first started working the college market, because what I was told when I first started working the college market in the early 2000s was this is a marathon, not a sprint. It takes time. The point was that you have to play the long game. And what I see a lot of people do is they're so excited or I don't know if they just need the work so badly or whatever the situation is, but they get in their own way by trying to get booked too early in the process and don't use a, a magic venue as a place to get your stage time. Use a magic venue as a place to build a relationship with so that you can book that venue every single year. Like realistically, a magician, let's say they have, let's say they're in the business for 30 years. And let's say that the venue is in the business for 30 years. They should be able to book that venue 
every year for 30 years if they do it right if they if they play the long game and they treat it like a marathon and it's about building relationships with the entertainment director and genuinely being a solution to the venue's problems every venue has problems instead of being a problem be the solution to the venue's problem so that if the manager comes up to you and says, I know we've only scheduled you for four shows tonight, but we have an extra group in here and some stuff got out of hand. Is there any way you could just go over to their table and pay attention to them for 10 minutes and make them feel special instead of saying, Hey, I've already done my four shows. Why don't you say I would be happy to do that because that's why I'm here. You know, finding a way to be a solution to the venue's problems so that the management goes, this guy, this girl, this act was unbelievable. We want nice. them back. That's, that's right. yes. how you win the long game. Waiting until you're ready is a great, uh, that's a great piece of advice. And, and it's funny you say being solutions. I'm remembering um, yeah. one, individual, one individual you had hired that you told me about who, even before he hired, was already giving you problems of what he expected before he got there. Um, I don't know if you remember that one in particular, but uh, you were already pulling your hair out and this guy hadn't even showed up yet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, you're not going to build a good relationship with somebody if that's, if you're the type of act like that. I understand that there are technical needs when you're a magic act and you have to make sure your technical needs are met, but you also have to take into consideration what the venue is and what you can do in the venue. And so doing your research and literally just asking, Hey, can I do this? Is this going to work instead of making, Oh, I have to have this. I mean, it sounds like I'm, I'm not poo-pooing the magicians at all. I just think it's important when you're a magician and you're a working magician and you want to be a working magician. I think it's important to always take into consideration what, where you're going and, and what, how you need to be best prepared to work in that type of setting. So as we get ready to end this session, I wonder if you might have something you can share with us that would be money in your pocket, so to speak, something where you're going, this is it. This, this is going to be money for you. If you do this. Probably just, uh, may have said it a minute ago when I said, keep in mind who the audience is, uh, because if you keep in mind who the audience is, so there are some people who believe that you just do your act no matter what. Uh, and I appreciate that artistic point of view. And but the the simple fact of the matter is, magic is the type of act most of the time that does break that fourth wall, and it is interactive, and people do get to be involved. So making sure you know who that audience is, and so that you are bringing them something that is going to really give them a wonderful experience. I heard it, I heard it said once one time where the, the person said the type of show you should do is you should go from what the audience is expecting, the known to the slightly unknown where maybe they've heard about stuff, but you're introducing new ideas to them. So they start off where they are and then you start to bring them into your world. And then you start with the known, go into the slightly unknown, and then you end in the complete unknown. So you take them somewhere that they didn't know they were going to go at all, but you can't start in the unknown because they're starting from a specific point of reference and they have an idea as to what magic is based on the venue and based on the way that the whole experience has been sold. So meet them where they are and then take them where you want them wow, to go. Wow, that is nice. Nicely said. Course. I really like that. All right. Now I want to get back to your course real quick because uh, there are many people who need that, uh, especially, especially, <laughs> 
those starting out. What, but it's true. I mean, I think one of the things that you were talking about was, and I don't, because I think it is, the, the default is here's my website. And they don't think that there's a whole relationship thing that you have to go through. There's questions you should be asking. There's, I, I think a course like this is absolutely something they need. And before they buy their next magic trick, if they want to become professionals, if they want to be hired, they need to spend money on this other part of their, of their uh, career, right? Well, I mean, I've always spent money on education, uh, whether it's I've educated myself in the magic business. I've, I mean, there's, there, it's, it's absolutely imperative. And I would just say again, that it's not that expensive when you look at the cost of doing business of an, of an actual real business. If you buy a course that is a couple of hundred dollars, or even if you bought a course that is a couple of thousand dollars, if you consider what you can learn about the the market that you're wanting to go into and how much money you can make over the course of a career you're talking about a tiny you're talking about shortening the shortening the learning curve massively and making sure that you're totally prepared and spending a little bit of money that will be recouped quickly. So, yeah, so I'm with you. I, I think that this type of thing is absolutely, I think it's, it's wonderful. And I know some different people who have some different courses out there. And some of these courses are truly excellent. And if you want to be, if you want to work with those types of people, if you want to work in those types of venues, it'd be crazy not to invest in those courses. But my course is called Secrets of Booking Agents and Entertainment Directors. And that's the whole point of the course. It is literally, uh, the course is, it is almost solely about techniques, tools, tricks that you can use. And I say tricks very loosely because you're not actually tricking anybody, but techniques and tools you can use to build a relationship with a booking agent or with an entertainment director that you will be able to uh, have that relationship over the entire course. All right. Well, career. okay. Tell us how to, where, where do we go? So secrets of booking agents.com secrets. Of I, I think that's pretty straightforward. You can't, it's, it's kind of like the magic business podcast. We know exactly <laughs> what we're getting and where we're going. That's fantastic. Jason, thank you very much for uh, sharing with us today and uh, and helping to develop those uh, younger performers out there. that are looking to make this uh, absolutely a profession. Well, thanks for doing this. They, they, we, more, more people need to be talking about this because there are a lot of people, a lot of folks who would love to be doing this as a business, even if it were just a part-time business. So thanks for helping get the word out and helping, helping people become more and more professional. Thank you for listening to our Magic Business Podcast. Please visit the magicoracle.club where you can hear all of our Magic Business Podcast and enjoy a vast array of additional magical knowledge. Until next time, remember, success is never owned, it's only rented, and the rent is due every day. Mm-hmm.